Well, it's uh, so amazing, uh, just uh, the creativity that that goes to uh, or part of our church and just uh, the amazing things that have been coming out of this series. Uh, we've been to uh, we've been able to experience uh, five original songs inspired by the the Psalms and and uh, thank you Libby and thank you Evan for sharing those uh, with us. Uh, those are very important and awesome. Uh, also, it's uh, been neat to see how other artists have been inspired in uh, painting. And as you can see, the, uh, the prayer wall over there, we have uh, continued growing of people writing psalms and writing poetry and writing prayers and tie, tying them up over there. And then also some artists have uh, painted and... and uh, all sorts of different things. Uh, so I want to encourage you to really open up your heart uh, during this series and, and create something. And uh, if you feel safe uh, or, or comfortable with it, share it with our community. Uh, put it up on the, on the wall thing there or, or uh, share it with uh, somebody on the staff. And uh, hopefully we can let other people experience it and, and uh, see what God is doing in your life. Uh, Evan was saying that Libby wrote a song on Psalm 40, and he wrote a song on Psalm 40. And uh, I, guess what? I'm going to teach on or, uh, Psalm 40 today. So, coincidence? I think not. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's a little bit longer psalm than uh, we've touched on uh, so far, and we're not going to be able to really uh, be able to talk about all the amazing stuff that, that, that's in it today just because of time, but, but that's okay. Uh, you, uh, on the back of your, your notes, there's uh, Going Deeper that I write, and hopefully that you're involved in a growth group, uh, that you connect with other people here during the week, and, and you guys can discuss it uh, deeper and really pull out uh, the heart of what God's trying to communicate through David when he wrote this psalm. So if you open up uh, your Bibles to Psalm chapter 40, I would like to read it to you. And uh, then we're going to pray, and then uh, I just want to share some insight that, that God's placed on my heart about it. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He left, lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be astounded. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have done many miracles for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. And this have, has been written about me in your scroll. I take joy in doing your will, my God. For your law is written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. 
I have not kept this good news hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. My only hope is in your unfailing love and faithfulness. For troubles surround me, too many to count. They pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They are more numerous than the hairs on my head. I have lost all my courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they say, Ah, we've got them now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord is thinking about me right now. You are my helper and my savior. Do not delay, oh my God. Pray with me. Dear God, I just... um, Pray as we open up our hearts and minds to what you have for us today. God, I especially pray for those who seem to have lost their way or feel that they are stuck in the mud of life. That today, maybe they will have hope. They they will see that you are constant, that you are here, that you are there in their circumstance, that you are always with us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to highlight things and circle things and underline things uh, in my Bible. And when I first read this, I, I immediately highlighted and, uh, the word waited. You know, waiting is, is one of those things that I don't think anybody likes to do. It's one of those, you know, drag things in life that, that we all experience. Uh, you know, you go to the DMV. Do they call it the DMV in Florida? Yeah, okay. You go to the DMV, or in, I know they call it that in California, in Florida, I meant. Yes, okay. Uh, uh, you go to the DMV and you, and you wait in line. You go to, to a popular movie and, and you wait. You go to the doctor and they tell you to be on time and you wait in the waiting room with all the old magazines and the, you know, the screaming kids and, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that we wait all the time. I don't, I don't know if anybody's done a study of like how often we wait, but it, it's pretty much a pretty miserable experience. Like you don't like wake up to, in the morning and say, all right, I get to wait today. I get to wait for things. I get to wait for people. I get to wait for a phone call. I get to wait for someone to show up. That, that all this, you know, this waiting is, you know, it just, it's one of those unpleasant things in life. In fact, I Googled, like, things to do while waiting. And, uh, like, then all sorts of weird stuff came up, like, like what to do while you're waiting for a, a long download, or what to do when you're waiting in line for a movie, or waiting to to vote, or something like that. It was interesting as I went down. It all of them just about had to do with like 
going out of your way to annoy someone else, to bring some sort of meaning in the waiting. And I, I found it interesting as we sat there and I said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And then it's comma. And it says, and he turned to me and heard my cry. I don't know about you, but the time between the comma and, and then to and, like I cried out to God, I was waiting, comma, and he came and heard my cry. Sometimes that's a big gap. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, that, that you're waiting on God for something. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for some direction. You're waiting for clarity. And you, you petition Him and say, God, I'm, I want to hear you. I, you know, my desire is to follow you. Just let me know and I will go. And, and you think, you know, but then you read something like this and you say, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, comma, and he turned to me and heard my cry. It just seems so instantaneous. But I think there may have been a little bit longer of a gap between the comma and the and in this sentence. I mean, at least we know there, there had to be enough time for him to at least write a song about it, right? I mean, he just didn't sit there, and, and while he was waiting, he's like, oh, I waited patiently for the Lord, comma, David, I'm answering you now. Cool. You know, and it finishes the song. I mean, it probably it could have happened that way, but it probably didn't happen that way. And, and I think as we wait, time is a funky thing. Funky is a funky word too, but, but, but time is a funky thing. I mean, our perception of time is so weird. You know, we have sayings like time flies when you're having fun or uh, other sayings, you know, it says like time uh, stopped and things like that. And it's really uh, exasperated uh, with kids, especially my, my son, Boo Bear. I love him so much. Uh, but his perception of time, yeah, not so good. Uh, like, uh, you know, you'll be going somewhere or it'll be, you know, waiting for dinner or something. It's like, when, when is it time to eat? And it's like, oh, 10 minutes. And, and he'd only asked you like a minute before, like he'll come, he'll come back and say, is it time yet? And it's like, no, nine more minutes. He's like, I've been waiting for hours. But it's funny, the other time, you know, he's been watching TV or playing video games all day. And you go, Boo Bear, you know, how, how long have you been, you know, watching TV? Oh, only a couple minutes. Yeah, but, but we're not much different than Boo Bear. Right? Our perception of time is, 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 is funky. It's just, uh, it's, it, it can be warped. That sometimes it, it just goes through and it's awesome and, and everything's fast. And you go, where is the time gone? And other times, you're just like, oh my gosh, when will it ever end? And I think that we're in a place right now, and I think we get a clue of it when David in verse 2 says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair. Now, I've never, you don't know if you've ever been to the pit of despair, but it's not a nice place. It's, it's a place where time does go slow. And then I like his imagery, the next thing is like, out of the mud and the mire. And the imagery here is, is so powerful. Uh, uh, Boo Bear and I were watching um, Man vs. Wild. You ever see that show with uh, Bear? 
It's not like a bear, like that's his name. I don't know why anybody has a kid and like, oh, let's name it Bear or him Bear or something. But they did. And they're English, I think, or, or Australian. And they named their kid Bear. And he like became this, you know, seal and, and he's all hardcore and everything like that. So he, they drop him. What they do is they drop him in like these awful circumstances and they say, okay, get out. You know, try to figure out how you're going to get out. So they dropped them in Asia somewhere, and they dropped them in the middle of this swamp. And, and he's going along, and the swamp's not too bad so far, and he's going along. But to get out, he had to go through this grass. I've never seen grass so big in my life. Uh, it was way over his head, and he was in the midst of all this grass, and, he, and he's trying to walk through, and he can't see anything. He can't see left. He can't see right. He can't, doesn't know if he's going in the right direction, and he actually is walking backwards, pushing through this massive grass, just kind of looking at his line, ho- hopefully moving in some direction, but he really had no clue. But what the interesting thing was, he was about hip deep in water, and he was taking each one of these steps, and he was, not only was he fighting the grass, but he was like lifting up his feet, and his feet were, were in mud. And not like cool mud, like when you were a kid, where like it, there was like a rain day, and the field gets kind of wet, and you go out, and you like slide in it, you know, you know how cool that was. You get all kind of muddy, and, uh, but it was like slick, and it was cool, and it was fun, and all that. It was not like that. This mud is that, that mud, it kind of like sucks your legs. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in like a situation where there's a lot of silt or where a lot of uh, just stuff is uh, collected in a riverbed or, or something like that. And you, you take a step into it and you just sink into it. And then you take your next foot and you try to get out and you sink even deeper and you go and you take it just, and, and the mud just sucks onto your legs. And so it's, it's like, and in every step you try to go and it just, it's so much effort just to walk. And Bear was going through and that's what he was going through. And he actually leaned down into this, this nasty water. You know, I'm not sure, but I don't think water is meant to be rust color, but, but it was. And he pulls out this just oozing mud, like he pulls it up and it's just like running in between his uh, fingers. And he was saying that it was up to his knees and each step was just a struggle. And I think David is, is spiritually and emotionally in this spot, that he's in this pit of despair, that, that maybe the grass is a, above his head and he doesn't know if he's going in the right direction and he's in this miry clay and this sucking mud that, that every step seems like every step you're in worse place than you were before. And the reality is that so many of us have circumstances like that. That, that either you've been in that kind of circumstance, you are in that circumstance, or you're going to be in that circumstance. That we're all going to go through hard times. And it's interesting how, how he talks about that, but then he says, look, he set my feet on solid rock and he steadied me as I walked along. I mean, this beautiful... Uh, contrast between this this mud that was sucking him down and he was in this pit and that 
he, he petitioned God and he waited on God in his timing. And God plucked him out of his circumstance and he put him on solid rock. But didn't only just like put him on solid rock and say, all right, go. But he actually steadied him. Said, all right, you're on solid rock and I'm steadying you and I'm going to help you go forward. And the cool thing is, is when we're in the pit of despair, it's so hard. And if we have a circumstantial faith and we have the grass over our heads and we can't see what direction, all things, can, it all seems hopeless. But if we're able to go beyond that circumstantial faith and we have this understanding of, of who God is and when we experience Him and how He works, then when we are in those times, we can understand that, that, you know what, larger things are happening. And I love this, this line about how he gave him a new song to sing after he experienced this pit, after he experienced the miry clay, this, this mud that was sucking the life out of him. That, that he raised him up and not, he didn't re-sing a song that he used to sing. He didn't have an old favorite that got spruced up a little bit, but he gave him a whole new understanding. He had a whole new vision and understanding in his relationship with God, and it inspired something deep inside him to spout something fresh and beautiful. And because of that, because of his waiting for God's timing through this pain, through this adversity, through this miry clay, that people saw what God did because he responded correctly and were astounded by the power of God. I absolutely love it when I, when I hear stories of people who have gone through great adversity and meet God in that adversity. And come out of that desert, come out of that, that mud with a new song, a new understanding of how faithful God is to understand really personally for the first time maybe that, you know what, God is faithful and God will meet me and be with me in my circumstance. And if I don't try to take control, that he will be glorified and give me a new song to sing. And I love verse 4, how he follows that up. It says, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. I think that this is so contrary to the way we as an American culture live our lives. You know, you think about, about our financial distress You think about, that our country is in. You think about, about how the financial distress that so many individuals are in. And really what it comes down to is that we stop trusting in the Lord and, and the joy that comes from Him, the joy that is not happiness. Remember, happiness is circumstantial. But joy is in the Lord, this, this knowing that God is with you. The understanding that your relationship with God is solid. I often say that, that our church, we can 
we can handle just about any adversity that the world would ever throw at us if our relationship with one another is right. Or think about it on a micro level uh, with just you and a friend or you and a spouse. You know, the world can be against you. You can be going through financial hard times uh, that people could be maliciously uh, putting rumors out about you. And those kinds of things hurt. But as long as your relationship is solid and there's a symbiotic love that the people closest to you support you, that you will make it through. But think about it on the other side. When say that everything is going great or even seems like it's growing great, but things aren't right at home. Or if you have conflict with a friend. That, that it doesn't, those kind of things, you lose the happiness in them. Why? Because the relationship is severed. And what David's saying here is, look, there's joy when you trust God. That transcends any sort of circumstantial happiness. Some days you're going to be happy. Some days you're going to be unhappy. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But there's this constant faith and constant trust in God. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, Trace, when he was singing uh, Blessed Be Your Name today, and he kind of paused before he went into uh, the verse, you give and take away. And uh, it's kind of amazing just uh, listening to Trace and, and that he chose that song uh, he chose that song today because his grandmother passed away this week. And after I found out uh, that she passed away, and he's been going down and visiting her, and they're, you know, very close, uh, I asked him how, how he was doing. And he said, you know what? I'm just, I'm just so happy that she's now with Jesus, that she isn't experiencing the pain and the, and the, and the conflict. That he's able to, yes, feel sad about the temporary separation between him and his grandmother, but his perspective of trusting God, trusting God enough to know that someday they're going to be back together and that she, not in a trite way, but she is in a better place. And that, that she's been freed from the, the disease of her body and now is with Christ. And to have that kind of trust and not be wrecked in a bad way by that circumstance, but to have the trust in, in God to be able to actually say, you know what, God, as, as he's singing out this praise and this, and, and this proclamation of, of his trust in God, look, I know you give. You gave me a grandmother. And we were close and she was wonderful. But I also know that it was time for her to go. And, and I praise you and I rejoice in you through both of those circumstances. I think that's a picture of maturity in Christ. Goes on and it's kind of, I, I wanted to, David as he often does, but seems like an awful lot in Psalm 40. He kind of uh, is showing this uh, kind of ADD side or maybe bipolar or something. He, he like does these massive shifts. He's going from, I trust you, God, I love you, God. And then, and then he goes and talks about despair and 
things like that. And he's kind of all over the map. And in verse 6, he kind of makes this, this huge turn and starts saying, you take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Now, I don't know if you really understand the magnitude of what he has written here, but David writing this to a Jewish audience, he's basically saying the Mosaic law, we've missed the point. And there would be like this, this whole big vacuum of air when he probably first sang that, you know, that, hey, you know what? No longer do we have to do burnt offerings or, or sin offerings. Everybody would be like, oh, what? And then he goes into this, this messianic uh, vision of Christ. He says, then I said, look, I have come and this has been written about me in your scroll." I take joy in doing your will, my God, for the law is written in your heart. And basically, this is clarified in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 and 7, where it says Christ fulfilled the covenant, the Mosaic law between God and Israel. That Christ is the fulfillment. And that, you know what? We don't do things because of obligation. God does not require an offering. God does not require you to go to church. God does not require you to uh, serve. God does not require these things. We are free in Christ. In fact, here it talks about the piercing of the ears that his ears have been uh, opened up. It's this imagery of God taking the slave earring out of his ear and saying you are a free man you're a free woman you are free in christ and no longer are you under obligation but now you understand my imprint of my image in your life is to bring me glory for others to be able to see my love through your life. And if you think about it, it would be a lot easier just to have a checklist and say, okay, did my offering, went to church, served, good, I'm done, let's go. God raises the bar here and says, look, a relationship with me is not a checklist. You know what? A relationship with anybody is not a checklist. I mean, try to pull that with your wife. You just make a checklist. Okay, what makes you happy? Okay, all right, said I loved you, check. Made the bed, check. You know, you go down this list, you get to the end of the, the done list, and, and somehow you have a good relationship. Maybe better, but I mean, maybe less conflict, but, but do you really have a relationship? But so many of us approach our relationship with God that way. That some obligation that we feel, we feel an obligation to come to a place like this and we check it off our list. We feel an obligation to, to give him an, an offering. 
And what David is saying and what Jesus is saying and what the theme through the whole New Testament is saying is, look, you owe me nothing. That you are not a slave. But I adopted you as my sons and daughters. You are now princes and princesses. That we have a relationship. And when you do, do so out of love. Continues on in in verse 9. He says, I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept this good news hidden inside my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. And it's kind of interesting. Whenever I read verses like this, I think that uh, sometimes I feel guilty. Like, we all know that what God has done in our lives, that we should be, be sharing it. And, but sometimes we feel like doing that, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we, we do get bogged down in the checklist of trying to just be a, a good Christian, and we lose sight of this relational, relational aspect of it. And, and somehow we lose our, our passion, we lose our zeal, and we forget what God has done for us. We forget about the times that we were in the miry clay and stuck, and we forget about how he plucked us out of that and put us on firm stone and steadied us to make sure that we are okay and to set us in the right direction. And several times in my life, I have I felt found, fell victim to this. And uh, several years ago, uh, it was really brought to my attention in one of these instances you see, uh, I was going along and I, had a lot of, I would build a lot of good friends and a lot of people were speaking into my life and uh, I was really thankful for that. And I, I, one day I, I was told about uh, a, a new product out. It was called a Mach 3 razor. Now, I don't even know if they make Mach 3 anymore because I've got this like Fusion 4 thing now. You know, I don't know where the logical end on how many blades you can put on a razor is, but, uh, you know, just conk, ah, you know, I don't know. But I have this, like, uh, tough beard. Like, it's, it, it's not even like hair it grows out. It's like these little, like, steel bristles that, that come out. And, like, when I don't shave and, like, I try to kiss Shannon... Like, and I, it, it, she's like, you're tearing my skin off, you know, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm just cleaning her, you know, exfoliating her skin or something like that, but she doesn't buy that. And uh, I tried to sell it. It didn't work. But, but I would hate shaving. I still hate shaving, but I would really hate shaving before the Mach 3 because it wasn't so much like I was cutting the, the hairs. It was more like I was pulling them out. It was just painful and I didn't like it. And uh, so I got introduced to this Mach 3, and I, I, I put on my shaving cream, and, and, and uh, I, I pulled the razor, and it just like it cut the bristles right off, right off of my face. And my face, you know, felt smooth and, and nice, and, I, and, and I, 
it was a good thing, and I was like really, really excited about it. So excited, and if you know me, I get excited about things, and I get focused, and I want everybody to know about them. I started telling people all about the Mach 3 Razor and how it like changed my life and how it was wonderful, and, and, and uh, I was so excited. I was like buying Mach 3 Razors for people, and, and they're like, thanks, uh, another Razor. Thank you. But I mean, it was, it was a cool thing, and I had a friend. Uh, who pulled me aside and, 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 and I just for the, for time, I, I'll shorten it, but so, but it's going to sound harsh, but it, it's really not, he didn't give it that harsh, harshly, but, uh, he said, wow, you seem a lot more excited about that razor than you do with your relationship with Christ lately. I was like, oh, yeah. It just kind of reminded me it was, it, that, that I had gone into a lull of my life where I for, I, everything was kind of just going well. It really had nothing to do with the, with the razor as it did with I kind of forgot. And I forgot to let people see what God had done in my life. And I just had kind of got into this rut of just existing. And then finally he... He goes back and, and he starts petitioning God again. For troubles surround me, too many to count. They pile up so high I can't see my way out. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head. I have lost all my courage. Again, he's talking about his circumstance. You know, right at the beginning, he talks about how God pulled him out of the miry clay. And by verse 12, he's, he's back there. Petitioning God and waiting on God again. But understanding that this circumstance, circumstances come and go. But the joy in the Lord stays. And he just, I want to finish up with this. He talks about how his enemies are taking delight in his trouble and his disgrace and In verse 16, he says, But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. What he's saying is, no matter what my circumstance is, my joy, my trust, my understanding is that God is great. He says, As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord is thinking about me right now, and he's thinking about you right now. You are my helper and my savior. Do not delay, oh my God. Each one of us go through circumstances. That's one thing that comes up, a theme that repeats throughout the Psalms. That with these, these Psalms resonate with us because they are the songs, the soundtrack of our life. And I heard today, this week, uh, one of uh, my friends, one of my peers said that, you know what, I don't think us as followers of Christ so much need to be instructed as reminded. Reminded that God is there. God is thinking of you. He loves you. And that you have to trust beyond your circumstance and know that God is great. You pray with me? Dear Lord, I just um, thank you for everyone here. I know that 
our circumstances change and for some people they're on a high right now and some people are on a low. God, I pray wherever our person's current circumstance is that they can see beyond that circumstance and know that you are God, that you are thinking of them, and that you are great. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.